Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Now that we are well into season two of this podcast, I want to take this opportunity to thank so many of you for your continued support and words of encouragement. Both the solo episodes and the interviews have found a receptive audience, and I am most grateful that positive feedback encourages me to press on. If you have any suggestions for future topics, please email me. As always, I will include my email in the show notes, or you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. I consider our topic for today quite important, and I wanted to share my thoughts about it with you and to alert you to some potential problems around it. Our topic for today is delay. I think most people would agree with me that we humans tend to delay dealing with tasks which we consider unpleasant or which may bring with them disagreeable emotions. Some people don't simply delay. They don't get to these tasks at all, ever. Some people want to hide in the corner when it comes to completing their taxes. For others, it's going to the dentist. Uh, There is an example for just about every one of us. Some people bury their head in the sand when they hear their spouse wishes to separate. Perhaps they hope that doing nothing about it, not actively responding in any way, will make the whole problem go away, or maybe even make their spouse change their mind. On many occasions, when I write an initial letter on behalf of my client to the other spouse, And here I'm talking about writing directly to them and inviting them to retain a lawyer of their own. There is a period of complete silence and non-engagement. No response to my letter. That means I have to write another letter and there may still be no response. 
This is not atypical and, quite frankly, very human. This non-response may have to do with the refusal, conscious or unconscious, to face reality and may also be related to what I identified earlier. In other words, a reluctance to take up a task which will bring with it sometimes quite profound emotions and actually confronting them. Delay is not uncommon in family law. And on many occasions during the course of my practice, I have been tasked by my clients with fixing the consequences of their delay to the extent that is possible. Because sometimes it is not. It isn't possible to fix a problem created by delay. Doors have shut. Court orders have been made, for example. And the actual reason for the delay is not enough to undo those orders. I'm going to provide you with some practical examples of delay. But I want to stress that this is by no means an exhaustive list of such examples. And there are many potential problems which may lurk around the corner if things aren't dealt with in a timely manner. So don't listen to this episode, please, and say to yourself, hey, I don't fall within any of the categories listed by AJ, so I don't have a problem. That would not be the right approach. Nothing I ever discuss in this podcast is legal advice, and there are many reasons for this, including the fact that I'm not your lawyer and I don't know anything about your case. What I provide here is guidance. I raise issues you might consider thinking about and exploring further. So if anything in this episode resonates with you or perhaps even causes you concern, it is vitally important that you seek legal advice to understand exactly what the consequences of your delay may be. And in some instances, even the consequences of your ex's delay. Here is one example I have encountered on many occasions. People not responding to court paperwork being served on them. I say court paperwork because that is the phrase the public often uses to describe documents they are served with, which are delivered to them or someone in their household. If you are served with court paperwork, it is important you react to it. Not opening the envelope will not make the issue go away. Putting the paperwork in a drawer will not make the issue go away. Some members of the public think that if they are served with something and don't react to it, the court case will stop because their participation in the court case is needed for it to carry on. That is a very problematic approach. If you ignore a court case, you run the risk that in the end it will carry on without you. In family court, in many instances, a judge can make an order even in the absence of the other party, including if that absence 
is the result of their refusing to engage in the case. If you are served with family court paperwork and you don't respond to it, you ignore it. The clock will tick. And once the other side is able to prove to the court that you were served with the documents in the first place, but did not respond, family court will carry on and court orders may very well be made against you without your participation. So the takeaway here is that you may be creating real difficulties for yourself if you ignore court paperwork or even if you delay dealing with it on a timely basis. For example, if you are served with an application in Ontario, you will have 30 days to respond to it. Don't delay until the 29th day to find a lawyer to help you with the response. Because in those circumstances, most lawyers will say they're not prepared to take on a case which requires a response to an application in a single day. Do not delay reacting to court documents if you are served with them. Here is another example. People delay processing their divorce. I have had many clients over the years who were separated literally years ago and either simply walked away without pursuing any of their legal rights or entered into a home-cooked separation agreement without legal advice at all. They come to me wanting to complete the divorce after many years because, for example, they have been contacted by their ex's creditors who are looking for someone to pay the debt or at least looking for information on how to contact the debtor, their ex. Since I do not know the specifics of your case, I cannot tell you whether you have exposure when it comes to your ex's debts or not. But know, please, that you may have such exposure. And this can extend not only to debts which your ex has before the separation, but also debts which they may have incurred after it. When people separate, whether they are married or common law, they should turn their minds to property and debts on both sides. And this includes credit facilities and bank accounts, which may be in joint names or which may be in the name of one spouse, but the other has a secondary card, for example. One important thing to remember here is that in the eyes of a bank, or some other creditor, for example, separated spouses may not be viewed any differently than spouses who are still together. In other words, the bank wants to collect on their loan or credit card or line of credit debt. And if you're still connected to it in some way and have not secured a release for yourself in connection with it, you have exposure even long after the separation, and the creditor may come knocking on your door. Some such long-term exposure is sometimes dealt with by divorce, but ideally, again, if you are married or even common law, you should have a separation agreement which includes releases with respect to any such liability, meaning 
responsibility for each other's debt. Here's example number three, and this is again quite common. Imagine a classic court order under which one parent pays child support and the other parent receives child support. At the time of the order, the child is 11 years old. The child support payments are being made through the Family Responsibility Office, FRO. The payer of child support continues to pay over the years, but is under the erroneous impression that child support automatically ends when the child turns 18. We have no law in Canada that says that. Very briefly, our federal and provincial laws say that child support is linked to financial dependency. And there are many circumstances in which child support must continue to be paid for a young person over the age of 18. But let's go back to our example about delay. The support payor stops making the payments to FRO when the child turns 18. Then several months go by, or even years, because I've seen files in which this happened over a period of many, many months. The payor receives a notice from the FRO that arrears have continued to accrue, meaning the records of the FRO continue to show the payments as owing each month and not having been made. And the notice now sets out a very significant sum owing by the payor to the recipient. To make matters worse in our hypothetical, the support payor does not deal with this notice on a timely basis, but simply assumes the problem will go away. The next notice is to advise the payor that the FRO will take steps to suspend his or her driver's license and perhaps take further collection steps. The payer then contacts the FRO trying to explain that the child has turned 18 or perhaps even that they are no longer attending school. By this time, the arrears are very significant. What is my point about delay in this particular example? If you are a payor of child support, whether under a court order or an agreement which you reached with the other parent, and if you are at all unclear how long you're expected to pay child support, find out. Don't delay. Call the original lawyer who assisted you with the order in the first place, or another lawyer for that matter, and have them explain to you how long you need to continue to pay child support, and what steps you need to take if you receive information suggesting that you no longer have to. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about a classic example where the payer is aware that support needs to continue to be paid until their child completes one post-secondary degree, starts to work full-time, 
whichever comes first. And having received information through the grapevine that one of these events has taken place, they simply assume FRO will react to that information on their own and stop collecting. Again, the trick here is not to delay. And though it may be quite unpleasant for the payor to think about contacting the other parent or even their own adult child with whom they have had no contact for years to find out about their status. Steps have to be taken in that direction. Otherwise, the FRO will continue to treat the court order as binding on the support payor, and they will continue to collect. I have talked about this before, but it bears repeating. The FRO is an institution whose job is to collect support payments. The FRO does not get involved in disputes between the parents as to whether or not child support or spousal support, for that matter, must continue to be paid. They are not decision makers that way. They are collectors of support and enforcers of that support if it isn't being paid. In our example, the delay in seeking further information, in informing himself or herself about the status of the child support payments and any continued obligation to make them has now resulted in significant child support arrears, which the FRO will continue to enforce until they hear from both parties that the child support obligations of the payor have come to an end or until there is a court order telling them to do something different. So my takeaway for you when it comes to the FRO is always react to communications from them in any form and never delay seeking further information, which may include legal advice. If there is any aspect of the support court order, which you do not understand and this includes how long the payments have to be made and under what circumstances they end. There is a big difference between going to court two months after your 21-year-old finishes school and starts working full-time and asking the court to confirm your support obligations are finished and going to court and asking the judge to terminate the support order, but also making that request in the face of thousands of dollars of arrears. Here's another example. Two people separate after 18 years of marriage. They go their separate ways. They don't actually sign anything. They manage to co-parent their two children after the separation but they don't deal with any of the financial issues. The ex-husband has a pension through his employment, and he has been with that employer for many years. The ex-wife, in her gut, knows that she may have entitlement to some portion of her ex's pension, but she never gets legal advice in connection with this issue. 
and she continues to live with the impression that her pension entitlement is something she can hold on to and deal with when she's ready. It's important to know that some legal rights have an expiry date. I don't know what your home province is, or your country for that matter, so I cannot speak specifically to whether what we call a limitation period applies where you are. But I can tell you that in Ontario, married but separated spouses are subject to a limitation period when it comes to dealing with their property and debts on separation. A limitation period is essentially a period of time established by legislation, meaning meaning written law, within which someone has to pursue a legal claim, and if they do not, the right to pursue that claim expires. Under Ontario's Family Law Act, a separated spouse has the right to pursue an equalization claim under which the division of the pension in our example would fall within six years of the date of separation. In the event there is a divorce, that period is reduced to only two years. So you have to make an equalization claim within two years of a divorce. There are cases in which delay has caused a person to lose their rights to a pension, for example, like in our hypothetical, because of a missed limitation period. So what is my suggestion here? If you do miss a limitation period, it isn't sufficient to say that you didn't know it existed. I fully expect that the spouse in our example would have pursued the pension issue much sooner if she had known that a limitation period out there would affect her rights to the division of the pension. So the takeaway here is as follows. Get legal advice. Once you have that advice, you may decide to act swiftly or delay pursuing your rights for a period of time. But at least you will have the information you need to make an informed decision about whether something is urgent and should have your attention immediately or whether you can afford a period of delay. My last example is also a classic and This involves a parent who does not pursue child support before family court for long period after the separation. And there may be different reasons for this, some of which are quite understandable on a human level. Depending on the circumstances of your case, you may not be able to claim child support from the other parent, what we call retroactive child support for the entire period since the separation. The Supreme Court of Canada has said that generally speaking, a parent seeking retroactive child support is limited to three years. Again, the circumstances of each specific case matter. So the takeaway here is twofold. Number one, do not delay requesting child support. And number two, 
do not delay getting advice on the issue of child support because there may be something unique about the circumstances of your case that may require your immediate action when it comes to child support and pursuing it. I am going to close with the following. We are humans. We are not robots. Particularly around the issue of separation and divorce, many people experience very acute emotions. They become vulnerable to the most tender aspects of our human nature. Here, delay can be understandable on the most visceral emotional level, but it can also have very serious consequences, some of which may be long-term and quite impactful. In my view, a sane split includes crossing as many T's and dotting as many I's as possible in a timely way so that you have a measure of long-term certainty and you can get on with your life. Don't delay dealing with issues arising out of your separation, particularly without a proper understanding of what the consequences of such delay may be. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app, will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.